0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Oh,
1: wouldn't you know, we've got more winter weather on the way. And they're telling me there's an alert day in our forecast starting later this afternoon into the evening hours, stretching into Wednesday. It's five minutes after five o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Today is the 19th day of February, and I don't know how many alert days we've had in the forecast so far for 2019. Today it's going to be partly sunny, but continued cold. High temperatures today only in the middle 20s. And then as the afternoon wears on, we are going to start to see snow develop later tonight. Continue through Wednesday. Uh, Could bring accumulations of anywhere from 2 to 5 inches of snow. So uh, that is what we're focused in on as far as weather forecast is concerned for today. And even if we make it through the next 24 hours, we're not out of the woods yet. They've got more alert days scheduled for us Saturday afternoon through Sunday. I'll give you the details as we roll closer to 5.30. Glad you're along with us. I'm M. Yankee. Also up before 6 o'clock, catching up with our friends Bryce Nor, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, FarmFutures.com. Although the markets were idle yesterday because of the president's holiday, they're back in action overnight. He'll give us a little indication of what's driving the trade. And we're also focused in on National FFA Week. Another conversation with one of our state FFA officers after 5.30. When
3: a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's wisconsin strong when they support the local community by giving back that's wisconsin strong when your insurance premiums stay here that's keeping wisconsin strong rural mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto home business and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row their local agents and local employees make us wisconsin strong visit ruralmutual.com to learn more
4: once you think you know everything about something in agriculture, you find out there's more research being done. Bob Bosal here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, uh, Pam, we know that the crops continue to have major breakthroughs as far as some of the research and development. But even the livestock area, we're seeing so many new advancements in research, aren't we?
1: Absolutely, Bob. Fabulous. Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And yeah, you're right, Bob. It, it, it's got a lot of conversations going in all of agriculture because now we're talking about plant-based proteins showing up in the meat showcase area, essentially, not necessarily differentiating itself from beef that we know Uh, And that was a big conversation topic during the recent Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association Winter Conference in Wisconsin Dells, where Dr. Sarah Price from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association spoke to the audience and tried to help them understand that we need to separate what we hear in the headlines versus what consumers are really doing. A very interesting perspective on how uh, we hear about especially young people that are making food choices based on what they think They're doing for the environment. Sarah Price says a lot of times uh, the message ends with the headline and there is no follow through when it comes to actual consumer action.
5: Yeah. So I think what's really good is to always zoom out to the bigger picture when we think about this whole idea of plant based is going to especially cut greenhouse gas emissions. Right. Because that's usually where um, that comes into play. Um, So there's some great research that is out there that looked at a scenario that kind of put this to the most extreme test and said, what if we all in the entire United States went vegan, right? And literally all cats and dogs, humans were all vegan, right? What would happen? Um, And they found that we would cut greenhouse gas emissions by 2.6% in the United States, which is less than one half of 1% of global emissions, which is really important. It's probably not going to make much of a discernible impact. Um, but we would have a situation where we don't have enough nutrients to actually feed everybody, to nourish everyone, right? So people, um, sometimes forget that animal source foods are an excellent source of so many different micronutrients, not just protein. They're a great source of protein. Uh, but things like vitamin B12 only come from animal source foods. So if we got rid of all the livestock in America, we would have no vitamin B12, right? So this is one of those key trade offs. Um, What's also important is that 2.6%, that's the maximum. That is if every single person becomes a vegan, right? So if one person decides to eat less meat or meatless Mondays, whatever it may be, you're really not changing the entire supply chain of U.S. agriculture. You're not affecting the actual emissions that are taking place, right? And I think that's important for people to realize. There's a difference between carbon footprints of an individual food, and then the actual real world impacts of like how does that translate into emissions in total, right? Um, you know, and that's that's really key. That's really key, especially with beef, right? If you if you don't eat beef, probably somebody else is going to eat that beef, <laughs> right? Um, and the average American you're only eating about a tenth of a bovine a year, right? So every every animal is supporting ten Americans a year. Um, so it's not so simple as to just say eat plant based. Uh, save the planet. I think everybody's really key to look for solutions, and I sympathize with that. Um, but really, the, the answer is getting better at what we do, whether it's in cattle production uh, or, or crop agriculture. And we've made tremendous strides in beef, where we produce the same amount of beef today with a third fewer cattle. That cuts our emissions, cuts our environmental impacts. So you can feel confident when you go to the grocery store, you're making a sustainable choice.
1: Speaking of trade-offs, a lot of phrases, uh, organic, uh, catchphrase, uh, if we dispatch all of our livestock, suddenly the the viability of organic gets really tricky. Tell them about that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you eat organic
5: vegetables or organic plant foods, you're probably, depending on animals, for a source of manure and a source of fertilizer, right? Right. Um, because manure is an organic fertilizer, and you cannot use synthetic fertilizers in organic agriculture according to the rules in the United States. So, again, that's where it comes into play. Whether you eat animals or not, you depend on livestock in our food system. Plant and animal agriculture work together, and uh, that's always been true and that will continue to be true. Um, Again, it's just not black and white when it comes to these
1: things. But what we are seeing in black and white are plant-based proteins making a lot of claims a lot of data that's uh, coming up and, you know, advertising and so forth. How can we get over that or get into that conversation, Sarah? Because, you know, this is FDA, USDA, everybody's excited about this coming on. You're not necessarily sure it's going to catch quite as much uh, momentum as the market might seem to be chattering about.
5: Yeah. So I think it's always good to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and realize that these plant-based proteins, um, in terms of the ones that are trying to compete with meat, whether it's beef or chicken or whatever it may be, they're less than 1% of sales, right? Um, so that doesn't mean that they can't grow, but also it's good to have a reality check. Um, and recognize that media coverage does not translate into the same as sales data. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see why some of these companies are trying to use that as a marketing angle, right? They're trying to differentiate their product. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's capitalism 101. They're trying to take um, some market share. I just think that the reality is, is that we don't have a lot of evidence that they are eating into meat's market share right now. I think a lot of their sales growth is uh, growth of people sw- swapping from one to another, and maybe a better next generation plant protein product, which is which is great, right? But um, at the end of the day, I don't think our cattle producers or anybody is afraid of competition. I mean, we are we are a capitalist society, and so people are going to compete. We just want to make sure that things are being that are being said are truthful, that we're not spreading misinformation and inadvertently just suppressing consumers' confidence in the whole U.S. food supply because that doesn't do anybody any good.
1: We were laughing about how the uh, topic of sustainability sometimes gets producers' eyes rolling back in their head at this stage in the game because we've heard it so much. But you you want farmers, growers, ranchers to re-engage in that sustainability discussion and think of that beef animal as a perfect example of sustainability. Absolutely. So cattle, it's hard to
5: think of something that is more sustainable than a ruminant animal, right? Um, so animals, cattle are able to take things that we cannot use and make a higher value product, right? It's truly amazing what that ruminant animal can do. Um, so I think we need to be super proud of what we do and also, you know, kind of tout the the advantages of ruminant animals, right? They're not inefficient. They're not ins- unsustainable. We have been using them for 10,000 years, right? They've been doing a good job. Uh, we've been getting a lot better, and, and I think uh, people can be confident in that. And I would just say to producers, whatever you whatever you farm, whether you're in crop production or animal production, you know, you should be touting sustainability and be in this conversation because you are practicing sustainability, right? I mean, there's very few segments of our population that take a long view anymore and are thinking about things in a generational manner, Uh, and people in agriculture are, right? So even if you have a little bit of fatigue to that word, Mm -hmm. it's absolutely a word that we need to own and make sure that we are defining it, and it's not just a buzzword, right? We do not want it to become that.
1: And by our sheer nature... Producers are always competitive, always want to get better at what they're doing. And you made some points about U.S. beef production versus maybe uh, animal agriculture in other areas of the world. When it comes to a sustainability message, again, uh, we've got a big one to talk about, not just here domestically, but globally.
5: Yeah, so I think what's, what's clear is that uh, U.S. agriculture and U.S. beef production specifically really stands out compared to the rest of the world in terms of lower environmental impacts, doing more with less. And that's not to put down other parts of the world, but just that all those investments that we have made in the science and actually producers adopting it and the advances they've made, I mean, the proof is in the pudding in terms of our metrics and where we, where we stack up compared to the rest of the world.
1: You know what I thought was interesting? And it's hard to get your arms around it because, as you say, doing more with less. That normally speaks to the financial bottom line, Sarah. But getting your arms around what beef producers could be doing by 2050, to use that phrase, with less. Paint that picture, the genetic technology and abilities that we've got today, our feeding regimes. Tell growers as well as consumers how very efficient we could be by 2050 it's almost a little scary yeah so
5: if we just zoom out to the whole world and we think about where we are in the u.s compared to where the global average is i mean if we could get the global average beef production where we are today we could actually cut the cattle herd in half and still produce more beef for two billion more people which sounds almost unrealistic, right? But it it really does come down to those basic things of the genetics of the animals, uh, just basic animal husbandry, and better animal nutrition. Um, I think when we're in the United States, we can kind of forget how much we have invested in that and how how well we have it in terms of the natural resources we have. Um, so that scenario may be unrealistic that we can get everybody there in 30 years, but we can. it just shows what's possible, right, in terms of, getting the science out there and just helping producers and hopefully lifting up people um, in the rest of the world as well with with better productivity. Mm -hmm.
1: There were a lot of questions for you Sarah about the demographics that ask all these questions. Uh, The people that sit around and think about this a lot. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the audiences that you come in contact with. Obviously we're always looking for the influencers But where do you get most questions? What demographic? Uh, When does the bulb go on when you're talking with them? What key points should we think about when we encounter those conversations?
5: Yeah, so we speak to a lot of different audiences that are non-agricultural folks. So people that we would call um, influencers, people that are food bloggers, Mm -hmm. dieticians, people that other folks will turn to and ask questions about their food. Right? We want to make sure that those people feel confident as being a resource of information that is accurate. So a lot of the questions that we get, it actually comes down to the basics. You know, there are those questions about the environment and the greenhouse gas emissions, but a lot of people's concerns lie in just how are cattle raised? Mm-hmm. What are cattle eating? You know, how, how does that basic production cycle look? Mm-hmm. And when you explain that to people and when you show them um, images of that process or have them actually talk to a producer, a lot of their concerns about all these other areas are pretty pretty much allied, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, that makes sense. People are removed a couple, three generations from the farm, and whether it's watermelons or cattle, I mean, people just don't know how it's getting to the grocery store, how it's getting to their plate, and they just really want to know more.
1: We also mentioned how plant-based uh, foods are promoting their, area, their, their uh, products in markets where decisions are made on policy, um, media attention, and... You say it's not easy for animal agriculture to try to share that space. You know, we may think if we sponsor something or if we uh, have a, a checkbook, sometimes even that's not good enough to get us to the table.
5: Yeah, I think it's always good to be realistic about the. there is a bias and a pretty strong bias against animal agriculture in general. Um, and this is not new I think there's historical roots to it um, that comes down to people's sometimes people's queasiness about eating animals especially when they're uh, removed again from agriculture and from the day to day to that um, and there are of course big players on the from that standpoint of people that want to spread that message that animal agriculture isn't doing a good job by the animals or by the environment um, and so people can be essentially captured by that narrative and like all things human beings right if we if we believe something and then i roll in as the industry and tell them something different uh sometimes people can uh, can be skeptical at first but i think what's important is to not let up on that and to again just be confident in that the science and the truth um points points in a certain direction and i think we have to be optimistic that you know that that's that's where it will be, right? It's like the truth will win out.
1: Well, we hope so anyhow. That's Dr. Sarah Place with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association keynote speaker for the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Winter Conference held recently. Now remember, some of the information that Dr. Place presented is available online for any cattleman, for any farmer, for any consumer online at beefusa.org. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.
0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
2: This is Dave Gary for the Princeton Clubs. Our lowest rates of 2019 have been extended for a limited time. We know getting back into shape can feel like a difficult task, so we make it as simple as we can to get you started with no joining fees free child care, and all the support you need from our highly trained staff, all done in our world-class facilities. And check this out. When you join the Princeton Club this month, a portion of every membership is donated directly to Gilda's Club of Madison. That's right. It's all part of our For a Better Tomorrow campaign going on all year. This month's community partner is Gilda's Club. We believe in building a better tomorrow for our members and community. So what are you waiting for? Come get started today while our lowest rates of 2019 are still available. Visit PrincetonClub.net for a free trial pass and learn more about our For a Better Tomorrow campaign.
4: The skills you can develop as a soldier in the Army National Guard can give you an edge in the high-tech job market of tomorrow. The Guard offers career training to take advantage of your skills in science, technology, engineering, and math that can help give you a leg up to a high-paying and rewarding STEM profession. Gain practical experience with emerging technology and equipment not found in the civilian world. The Army National Guard can get you started in an array of STEM-related career fields such as information technology, communication systems, special forces engineers, technical engineering, air traffic control, and chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear science. Get a head start on your career in an exciting new field while earning money to pay for college, all while serving in your own community. Log on to NationalGuard.com or talk to a recruiter in your area to learn about all of the STEM career opportunities available to you in the Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. It's Wisconsin's most
6: complete farm show. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
1: Almost 523 now on a Tuesday morning, and we have got more alert days in our weather forecast. Wouldn't you know, a Stumach meteorologist, of course, taking a little well-deserved time off, so I'm afraid you've got me as far as forecasting is concerned. We've got another storm system that's coming into southern Wisconsin, probably starting later tonight right on through Wednesday. Uh, it is going to bring with it the possibility of Uh, mixed freezing drizzle, then two to five inches of snow possible by the time we get to Wednesday evening. Closer look at our forecast for today into tomorrow next.
4: I'm Jonathan Gibbs. I'm a fourth generation farmer. What I would want someone to know about farming. I have tractors that are more sophisticated than some of our early space vehicles. For me, it's to put a crop in the field, buy inputs and take a crop out of the field, try to do it with the smallest footprint on on where I'm farming to do it the best I can. This motivates me to get out of bed. Watch Jonathan's story
7: at badgerbean.com.
6: At Compeer Financial, we understand how challenging farming and this way of life can be. And we know you can't
8: predict what the upcoming growing season will bring.
6: So while there's nothing wrong with hoping for the best, preparing for everything is even better.
8: That's why so many farmers look to us to help manage their risk and protect their investment with crop insurance coverage.
6: Contact your local Compeer Financial crop insurance specialist before the March 15th sign-up deadline or visit us at Compeer.com.
4: Compeer Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider.
1: We've got winter weather advisories kicking in at 3 a.m. that are going to impact most of our listening area. Today is going to be another cool day. We're going to see only daytime highs probably in the middle 20s at best. Winds today are going to be light through the day. Then temperatures are going to start to drop, and that's when we'll start to see that freezing drizzle possibly coming in with snow. Two to five inches possible by the time we get done in Wednesday evening. Lacrosse, you're at minus six. Most 11. Madison is three above. Fond du Lac at minus two at 525.
0: This is the farm report with Pam Yonke.
9: An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. When I see someone in their 30s, I get excited to show them all of the great non-surgical skincare treatments. While a few 30-somethings may be seeing fine lines or age spots, many younger people are not. This is the perfect age to start thinking about your skin health. Certain procedures, such as broadband light therapy, can repair and restore your skin before it starts showing things, such as wrinkles or brown spots. Treatments, such as Botox, can prevent deep wrinkles from setting in. By starting now, you'll continue to look fresh and youthful while everyone else gets older. To learn more, visit the experienced medical professionals at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie for natural, long-lasting confidence and beauty. Let your natural beauty shine through. Find us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com.
6: No doubt about it, the best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom. The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be you're due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Temperamental toilet? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing.
7: Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com.
5: Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business.
7: Benjamin Plumbing.
10: Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something That you can customize yourself. Maybe a gorgeous pendant, necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location. A couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more... Modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street, Goodman's Jewelers.
2: If you'd rather be fishing, well, now's your chance. The Zone is inviting you to go wildlife fishing with Ballard's Resort on Minnesota's Lake of the Woods. Our adventure begins Friday, June 28th to Tuesday, July 2nd. Check it out. Everything is included. Three days of guided walleye fishing. Round trip motor coach transportation from Madison. Four nights lodging. Meals. Your rods, reels, bait, and tackle. Fishing processing. And even your taxes. This adventure is only $825 per person if you sign up before March 15th. Space is limited. So call 1-800-776-776. 2675 or go to ballardsresort.com to hold your spot. Wow. This trip will sell out, so don't miss the boat. Oh god. Hey, oh my
4: god. Get
2: ready to experience big time fishing with your friends in northern Minnesota with Ballard's Resort and The Zone.
8: We do everything to make your life easy, from packing to storage to cleaning service. Above Average Moving also does in-state, out-of-state residential, and commercial moving. That's why we say, no worries, less stress, we got this. Above Average Moving is your award-winning medicine mover with the highest reviews, free online estimates, and full cleaning service. Above Average Moving, no worries, less stress, we got this. Visit AboveAverageMoving.com. I got a $5,000 signing bonus to join Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. I'm a CDL Class A truck driver for Santa Max. Home every day and no weekends. Santa Max
10: is hiring CDL Class A truck drivers with experience to join the DeForest Third Shift team. Quarterly bonuses and a $5,000 signing bonus.
8: Great pay, great company, and a $5,000 signing bonus.
1: Stop by the open house this Thursday from 2 until 5 p.m. at 605 Bassett Street, DeForest. Free gifts for all drivers who attend. Santa Max.
11: So I looked at this 2004, Mark Antanasio bought the Brewers. So this would be the 15th year. Talk about time flying. We were talking about Eric Gagne. And it. I, we couldn't believe that it was 1999, the Brewers signed Eric Gagne. It That's a, d- what year? didn't feel what like year? it was that long ago. 1999, right?
6: No, 2000. No, the he was on the he, Brewers in 2008.
11: 2008. Or 2008-9. Okay, it was like 99. Damn, I'm getting really old. So though. 10 years ago. So Mark Antanasio bought the Brewers 15 years ago. So we were talking about salary cap, and right now this is the highest salary cap the Brewers have ever had in the history of their franchise. Was Bud Selig just like a notorious cheapskate with Antanasio? Because we would agree, now the Brewer, he's been willing to spend money, but are we giving him too much credit because Selig was just so cheap? I mean, you look at, they never have been higher than what, 18th? So, yes, Antanasio clearly has spent more money than his predecessor. And when you're talking about a tiny market in Milwaukee compared to Boston or New York, retrospectively, that's like being a top five market. But is it more of because they just, the Brewers never did it? Or do you really believe that Antanasio, and this is a sign of it, and at 13, if they sign Dallas Keichel, they get to top 10, that he will do whatever it takes to win like, in this. If we believe that last year was the start of a five-year window, because that's basically what you have this core group together for is another four years, that this is the next step in that. And giving Yasmani Grundahl $18 million and giving Mike Moustakis $10 million is the next step in that process.
2: When, you know, David Sterns before that, what, Doug Melvin, who was before that, Dean Taylor? When you when you think of the brewers of old and them opening up their pocketbooks a couple times here and there, did it ever feel like they had like a plan in place?
11: Well, I mean they got to besides
2: to, besides like that one little run when they got to bring out C. C Sabathia, I'm talking like the signing of like Eric Gagne, and then you got Nelson's boy David Risky.
6: Oh, like, I got a good Jeff risky Supon.
2: Like stuff like like the Brewers I can feel right now, they have a, a clear cut plan. And David Stearns is this architect making it all together. In the years past, I just felt like they were throwing money around to get some naming to get the fan base excited over, like, a name. Now we have names, plural.
11: Right. Well, okay. In 2008, you bring up CC Sabathia, 26-year drought of playoffs, right? Three years later, they get to the National League Championship Series last year. So out of the five times they've made the playoffs, three have, in the history of the franchise have been with Antanasio as the owner. Yes, there were. We made that list of some of the pitchers that they signed that were terrible. But they—they, they, they, I mean, Garza, you can't, terrible. But they spent a lot of money to bring them in, right? They I mean, did. They—they, they, and that. But was, the Brewers
2: stocked up their farm system. Look what they were doing under Stern, stocking their farm system. That was when we got that you know embrace the rebuild and not my rebuild thing. They were then stockpiling these guys to make these big time moves coming up as well, and then you know keeping their bankroll. Light And now look at the Brewers spending cash. This is the most I've ever spent. they got an MVP in Christian Yelich now. You have this pitching staff, whatever you want to call it, this experiment they're doing that's, that's great. And now you're bringing in big-time players from L.A., the Dodgers and Grindahl, who wants to be with the Brewers to win a World Series. Before, I feel like they just bring a name in. Like, oh, here's a name. Here's a bobblehead and on a certain night. Buy some tickets. Now there's a plan in place, I feel like.
6: Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, under Doug Melvin, they also had another time where their minor league system was pretty good. That was back when Braun, Fielder, and all those guys. And they
2: went for a little run there, and then it went back to just toiling around in mediocrity.
6: But what I also think helps David Stearns right now get some of these players are the fact that these players aren't signing these long-term, you know, 10 years, $300 million contracts. Because back when Melvin was there in the you know mid-2000s, that's when these guys were signing the 10 years, $250 million contracts. And the Brewers definitely couldn't afford it. But they can afford the one-year $10 one-year $18 million, if Right, if that makes sense.
11: Well, and that's a good point, too. 608-321-1670, uh, Brewer fans, is, look, you go back to, yes, to Nelson's pointy, whether they didn't have a plan or – whether they were trying to do it differently than than the, their predecessors, Nelson's right. I mean, in in 2000, even in 2011, when they made the National League Championship Series, you still had you know the Albert Pujols and Alex Rodriguez, just insane contracts.
0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Yes,
1: it is at 5.35 on a Tuesday morning coming up before 6. Bryce Nor, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, FarmFutures.com, joins us live via Skype. Markets were idle yesterday for the President's holiday, but I see the corn and soybeans are at least in positive territory right now. We'll find out what news he's monitoring that could guide the trade. Stick around for that. I'm Pam Yonke. Now from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, Here's what's happening on a Tuesday. So, a couple different items that caught my attention on this date in history. Back in 2008, today is the day that Fidel Castro stepped down as Cuba's president. He was 81 years old at that time, had been in power for 49 years. Back on this date, back in 2008. Also, that uh, picture of the four Marines putting up a U.S. flag on Iwo Jima. Guess what? Today is the day back in 1945, that those U.S. troops landed on the Japanese island of Iwo Jima. So probably one of the best-known images from World War II. They're kind of making history of their own. Our Wisconsin FFA officer team is mobilized this week. It's National FFA Week, and they're doing their best to reach as many chapters as they can to get them excited about the FFA and sharing the message in their community. That includes Galen Combs. He's our Wisconsin FFA Sentinel, hailing from the Verona FFA chapter. And he's putting on miles this week to reach his chapters.
8: I represent South Central Wisconsin. I cover about a three county area of Dane, Green, and Rock counties, and that includes just under 3,000 FFA members and about 24. FFA chapters across this area of the state, ranging from about graduating classes of as small as roughly 30 to up to 500 in urban communities like Sun Prairie.
1: Slick, have you seen an increase in the number of chapters you're working with, uh, Galen? Because some metro areas have started to show renewed interest in things like the FFA.
8: Well, we are always seeing growth at Wisconsin FFA. Over the last Uh, several years, over the last handful of years, we've had a growth of several chapters throughout southern Wisconsin in general. So that's been exciting news for us. And several programs have become more engaged in the urban communities as well. And
1: that's what it's all about this week for National FFA Week, getting those local chapters to engage in their community through a lot of different uh, activities. Now, Galen, one thing that is very exciting is how much outreach FFA is doing for the younger group of uh, kids, the middle school project, it seems like something new to me, but it's actually been around for quite a little while.
8: Yeah, of course. Uh, middle school involvement in the FFA has been around for 31 years now, starting in 1988. And it's an opportunity for FFA members who are up to being seniors in high school to mentor FFA members who are as early as seventh graders into learning how to become better leaders and activists in their community.
1: What kind of uptake have we had from middle schools? Are they anxious to get engaged with the FFA, or what uh, challenges does it have to overcome?
8: Oh, several are anxious to get involved with their communities. I know next year, Wanakee FFA is actually starting a middle school program with agricultural education, and it's a great way for mentorship to happen through different projects and community service opportunities.
1: I was telling these guys that my uh, middle school nephew is uh, pretty jazzed about being involved in the FFA, and it's not even just the project. It's getting a chance to hang with the cool kids from high school. You know, it is a different way for middle school kids to spend their time. A lot of those kids are no longer interested in sports. Uh, They're not doing much in their community. They go home, video game, and with uh, all the Internet and that, they don't even have to see their friends. Is that making FFA a difficult sell, Galen, or is it something that suddenly sparks renewed interest from those students?
8: It's sparking a lot of new interest from students is what I've seen. Many of them don't have a direction that they want to go to just yet, but the FFA provides a lot of opportunities to learn about different careers and opportunities available to these students. And so Mm -hmm. middle school members can get involved through community service projects, leadership opportunities, getting involved in some contests that test their speaking abilities – and comprehensive reasoning.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing to give them some of those competitive opportunities. Galen Combs, he's our state sentinel. He is uh, primarily representing uh, the three counties, Dane, uh, Rock, and uh, what do we say, Iowa County, t- South Central Wisconsin. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the middle school situation and, and National FFA Week. So outreach is key this week, and it's not just about FFA chapters just working with agribusinesses or their community agriculture groups. FFA chapters have plans for a lot of different community outreach.
8: Yeah, of course, exactly. There's a lot of different ways that FFA chapters get involved with their communities, anywhere from their own fundraising opportunities to getting involved with relief efforts. I had the opportunity to represent the Wisconsin Heights FFA chapter out of Maney. and after their flooding over the last summer, their chapter came together to help their community out. So as they traditionally ran the Um, food stand for their high school football games, they decided one of their nights, all of their proceeds would go towards relief efforts for their community. And I thought that was an amazing opportunity for those members to learn about service and giving back to their community.
1: That's Galen Combs. He is our Wisconsin State FFA Sentinel, part of the officer team that's crisscrossing the state, working with chapters to promote National FFA Week. Now, today is a special day for the National FFA Week celebrations. This is called Give FFA Day, just a single-day campaign that the FFA is spearheading to encourage the public to support different needs that impact FFA members. You can find out more online, ffa.org backslash, Give FFA Day. They're hoping to raise $200,000 just today to support some of the life-building skills that the FFA implements across the United States. Find out more again, ffa.org backslash give FFA Day. It's almost 542.
3: When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin Strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin Strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin Strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more.
1: Listen, I want you to stop for a minute and think back 10 years. Did you have a cell phone? What did the cell phone look like? What could it do? Did you have a computer? The reason I'm pointing this out is look how fast technology changes. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yonke here to tell you the story of the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine and its clinic. They are on the cutting edge research and use state-of-the-art technology. But guess what? You're working with a horse, a cow, a dog, a cat, the x-ray equipment, The CAT scan equipment, it takes up space. So in order for the UW School of Veterinary Medicine to continue to be a world-class research and treatment facility, they need more space. Find out more about the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, how it's saving lives and serving Wisconsin, and how you can get involved. Go to AnimalsNeedHeroes2.com. Again, AnimalsNeedHeroes2, T-O-O, dot com. You won't regret it. I want to stick with that national FFA theme for just a minute here. This is an important day for the FFA organization. It's Give FFA Day. Their goal to try to raise $200,000 that they are going to use towards changing lives. Eric Pfeiffer's got details.
0: Volunteer activities, fun events, and service projects are happening across the country as FFA chapters celebrate National FFA Week. Today is Give FFA Day a single-day campaign encouraging the public to support various needs impacting FFA members.
12: We're looking for friends, family, alumni, supporters in general um, for our organization. And so when we think about past aid officers, past FFA members from local chapters, um, we're also looking for folks to be advocates and share the message of today through our hashtag Give FFA Day.
0: That's FFA Eastern Region Vice President Adrienne Schunk from Michigan. She says that the money raised will direct impact members through the numerous activities FFA uses to build life skills.
12: So we're talking about programs like leadership conferences and conventions, uh, career development events, and and competitions. So when we think about what these support and allow our members to do, um, we're really giving them them the opportunity to build those skills.
0: Shunk says that the goal this year is to raise $200,000. What will your donation ultimately provide?
12: Put simply, I think it it provides life change. And in my life, it's absolutely changed my life being a part of the National FFA organization. Um, it's given me skills in leadership and public speaking and career development that I'm going to carry throughout the rest of my life. And I know that I can speak for the 660,000 other FFA members that they're getting skills here that they likely couldn't get anywhere else with the opportunities that we're providing them with.
0: You can learn more about hashtag Give FFA Day and make your donation by visiting www.ffa.com ffa.org. Also, be sure to get involved with the hashtag FFA Week activities in your community. I'm Eric Pfeiffer.
1: Thanks, Eric. So like I said, go to ffa.org backslash give FFA Day today and help them reach that $200,000 goal. Uh, More than 225 Wisconsin high school juniors were in Wisconsin Rapids over the weekend for the Farm Bureau's FFA Farm Forum. It's a two-day leadership experience. They focus in on social media, agricultural opportunities in post-secondary education, as well as agricultural advocacy. Allison Wiedig, a marketing specialist for Culver's, was one of their guest speakers, along with Chris Pollock from Pollock View Dairy, and Jim Holt, president of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, keynoting that leadership event. Now markets an overnight electronic trade coming back online, and so far corn and beans are uh, in positive territory. December new crop corns up a half right now at three ninety nine and three quarters. November beans up a penny at nine fifty three. July wheat down two cents right now at five o seven and a quarter. Milk is quiet. March contracts unchanged at fourteen fifty three a hundred weight. April closed three cents lower on Friday at fourteen forty three a hundred weight. We'll catch up with Bryce Nor next on a Tuesday. This is
0: the Farm Report
1: with Pam Yonke.
3: When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin
6: strong. Visit
3: RuralMutual.com to learn more.
6: Some people don't mind taking a risk, like the guy who thinks he can squeeze one more mile out of the fuel tank but runs out of gas, or taking a giant swig out of an expired jug of milk. The one thing you don't want to take a chance on is your water heater going out. If it's over 12 years old, you might think about calling Benjamin Plumbing. They'll let you know if you're due for a replacement, and they only install top-brand water heaters. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Wacky Water Heater? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing.
7: Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com
5: Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing.
0: Two words, farm, babe. It's Pam Yankee and the Wisconsin Farm Report.
1: Almost 549 now on a Tuesday morning and time to catch up with our friend Bryce Knorr, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com. After a three-day weekend for traders in Chicago, how are they coming back to the market this morning, Bryce? Has there been much uh, news developed over the weekend?
7: Well, not really. Uh, that's why we see corn and soybeans, little change. Wheat probably taking the biggest hit. Uh, it's down another uh, three to four cents. Uh, the, the winter wheat contracts suffering from lack of any real large export sales, as well as the fact that uh, very little of the winter wheat uh, crop is in drought right now. The primary concern might be winter kill and flooding, but we won't find about uh, the, the damage from that for at least a month or two.
1: Now, out in Washington, D.C., we're hoping there's no damage that's been done. They are going to be reengaging big time with China. Uh, Sonny Perdue yesterday talking optimistically about what's going to uh, be, you know, the work product of these meetings. Is the marketplace watching Washington?
7: Right. The, uh, that's one reason why I think we're uh, really treading water here markets, uh, not only the agricultural markets, but also the financial markets, waiting to see just what happens. We saw big uh, gains on Wall Street at the end of last week on optimism over those talks. So we're giving some of that back today because I think investors are just unsure how China and the U.S. are going to be able to hammer out any sort of meaningful agreement. Of course, for farmers, what we want to do is uh, get these tariffs out of the way and try to get trade back to a normal footing. Uh, the larger issues don't concern agriculture, uh, but uh, but again, we we're kind of on hold. Also, uh, last week we saw news that uh, China actually canceled 30 million bushels of purchases at the end of the year, uh, which uh, was a surprise to the market, one reason why we softened up.
1: Well, and that's just it. Uh, that's what Sunny Purdue was saying: is that there, there's got to be uh, some enforceability, no matter what we uh, resolve in these uh, trade talks. Let's look a little bit more at Sunny Purdue's crew. USDA's got some uh, reports they're generating this week. It sounds like everybody's going to stay on the job. Bryce, what's coming up later this week?
7: Well, we have USDA's annual outlook conference Thursday and Friday in Washington. And that tends to be a big deal because a lot of a lot of people go to it, involved in the industry. Uh, Thursday morning, uh, USDA's chief chief economist uh, Robert Johansson will uh, give the agency's updated uh, acreage forecasts for uh, twenty nineteen. Now, these are just based on statistical guesses, not actual surveys. Those don't come out until the end of the March, but the market will be watching those numbers and then the more detailed forecast. That the USDA puts out on Friday in its grain outlook, so we will see some news. And depending on what those acreage estimates say, it could move either the corn or the soybean market. Hmm.
1: What about the fertilizer market? You were talking about that last week a little bit, and the energy market. What's what's shaking with those two this morning?
7: Well, there's only a bearish bearish news for farmers on the uh, energy market. Uh, prices continue to ratchet higher. Uh, For diesel, uh, crude oil is uh, topping $56 a barrel. So despite the fact that we have record production in the U.S., we're starting to see uh, the cuts from OPEC, Saudi Arabia, Russia start to kick in. And that has that market higher. Uh, The fertilizer market, again, if you can uh, uh, get together with your buddies and get a barge down at the Gulf and somehow get it north, uh, you'll find uh, fertilizer prices that are much cheaper uh, then uh, farmers are having to pay now in the Midwest. The dealers, I think, are reluctant to book a lot of inventory because they don't know what the weather is going to be like. They don't know what the demand is going to be like. And uh, so uh, that's why we have a real uh, two-tiered market with very expensive retail prices. But the wholesale markets, particularly for anything that has nitrogen in it, uh, have been plummeting.
1: It's just because I'm curious, are you getting any uh, feedback from those same vendors, Bryce, on uh, their financial strength, uh, saw that the Federal Reserve said that uh, they believe probably at least two and a half of the lent borrowers that were qualifying for credit last year will not qualify this year. I'm wondering if that's impacting the financial stability on some of our vendors.
7: I haven't heard too much about that although we are we are continuing to see consolidation in things like the ethanol industry due to the poor margins but uh, the the fertilizer industry particularly now is uh, uh, there's been a lot of cons- consolidation there all the way down from uh, the mines in Canada and elsewhere uh, down to the retail level so th- those companies uh, are all uh, have pretty deep pockets
1: anything we should be watching uh, today until we talk with you on Thursday
7: well we get to updated export inspections numbers out at ten o'clock and these are really this is the only data that we've been getting lately uh, that is current and so this will give us an idea of just whether or not China's shipping out shipping out any of those soybean purchases so that those numbers will be closely watched uh, we're still uh, two to three uh, even uh, four weeks behind on some of this data and it's, it's just taking a long time to get caught
1: up yeah all right well we'll wait and see what the market brings, and talk with you on Thursday. Bryce Noor, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, FarmFutures.com, joins us live via Skype to let you know what's burbling in the marketplace. And remember, he's always updating his comments as the news unfolds. You can follow at FarmFutures.com, or you can also catch him on social media as well. So, tomorrow we are going to be focused in on what's happening with plant based protein and its potential impact on what's going on with our beef market. See you tomorrow.
0: This is the Farm Report with.